American Hammers Radio with Tex and Liam from the Fresno Irons. Hello and welcome into another episode of American Hammers Radio. This is episode 25. I am your host, Tex of the Fresno Irons, and joined as always. I will not waste any more of your time because I know you want to hear the sweet sounds of Liam. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back, everybody. Glad to have you guys join us, and thank you, Tex, for that lovely introduction. I'm ready. I'm ready for this. Uh, so uh, so is every West Ham fan. It's about fucking time. <laughs> we finally won a game. West Ham United win 3-1. We know we haven't talked to you in a couple of weeks. Things happen. We have lives. You know, I, I, uh, I'm not going to lie. I got weird. Liam has a family. Um, I was eating a lot of peanut butter. It's an odd situation. <laughs> but nonetheless, West Ham United find a win. Since we spoke to you, we had a dismal showing against Manchester City and that's uh Liam are you cool that's all I want to say about that Yeah I'm 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 good with that one Yeah it's uh David Moyes can uh, rot in hell as far as I'm concerned on that one <laughs> but West Ham United win 3-1 it's a massive win um we finally saw an attacking force that looked pretty good between Antonio Bowen Allaire and Fornals um, three of those four got goals in the game for West Ham United is down a three one win. Um, I, I got to ask you this question. How did you feel just watching? I mean, even up three one with three minutes to go, I was still nervous. How are you feeling? Oh, 100 percent. You <clears throat> after that Brighton game, I think every West Ham United fan understands that you cannot unclench the butt cheeks until the ref center ref actually blows that whistle because Literally anything can happen. Even take the, the, the second Liverpool game where Fabianski lets a ball slide right between his legs. You know, I mean, that was, you know, similar to the Brighton game, just a con- conflagration of errors. So we never know what's going to happen. We never know what team's going to actually show up, even though the team on paper should absolutely be up for it. At this point, we never really know what we're going to get into. So, yeah, I was I was pins and needles, even sitting 3-1, which most of the time you would think, like, oh, we're comfortable. This is absolutely in the bag. We have it. But we've we've learned our lesson, and it was a very recent lesson. So I was glad that uh, the boys held on. They got the three points. That's massive. We absolutely need it. I, yeah, you bring up a good point, that Liverpool match, because – Man City 2-0, David Moyes goes out there, doesn't even try, and then we hear the whole rumors like he's trying to keep the goal differential down. Right. If that ends up saving us, then I'll give him credit. But as a West Ham fan, fuck that. You gotta go. And it was a team we absolutely had the potential to beat. Like, they had just gotten the ban... Um, for Champions League, so they're they're in the midst of that. Uh, they I think they had recently come off a loss, so they they did not look in form. They had some injuries as well. I really thought that this was the chance to go and get it, especially knowing that we were going to face Liverpool barely a week later. And the thing is, look look, look at that Liverpool match. I, I don't want to spend a ton of time, but look at a couple of things here. I don't think any West Ham fan had any confidence going to that game after what we saw against Manchester City. And we came out, we conceded, we went down 1-0, and then we're all sitting there like, well, this could be 4 or 5 because it's Liverpool. And then we equalized. And then we took a lead. Yes. And then hope came in. And then, obviously, we end up falling 3-2. Fabianski had a... As good as he's been, that's how bad that error was. Yeah. Like, it's it's a bad, bad error. And I can't let that go unnoticed. Right, right. And, uh, it's, and it's tough because you, you don't want to hang them out to dry because of one bad performance. But at the same time, that one bad performance came out of the, probably the most inopportune time. Like, yeah, it's funny that Watford just beat Liverpool 3-0, but how satisfying would it have been to be the first team to break their season? I, I would have thoroughly enjoyed it, but... By the same token, if you had told me you're going to lose to Liverpool, but you're going to beat Southampton, and it's going to give you the trajectory to finish out the season, season strong, I'll take it. Hey, you know, it's, it's typical West Ham. You know, always a groomsman, never the groom. <laughs> yep. You know, I, I think, I think, and uh, I think West Ham definitely put the blueprint out on how to attack Liverpool and have success against them. And I think Watford, if you watch that game, clearly did what they had to do. Which was which was what West Ham did, so that feeds us into the Southampton game, and we saw some life in that team, but the starting lineup comes out and we see a face in the starting lineup we haven't seen in a while, Sebastian Allaire. Yeah, Sebastian Allaire comes in and um, l- l- let's focus in on him for a second here. Three one win over Southampton. You could argue 
he was the best player on the pitch. I don't think he wins the argument, but he was definitely up there. And when you watch Sebastian Haller play, I, I've got to ask you this question. Where has that Sebastian Haller been You know, for the past three months when we've needed him? I feel like the guy that we saw out there was the player we purchased from Frankfurt for $45 million. He absolutely looked like a $45 million striker. I mean, I'll I'll caveat that. I'd say he looked like a $60 million striker. Or sorry, 60 million pound striker. He he absolutely went into battle. And even though maybe the first couple minutes it kind of seemed like he needed to get his feet under for, uh, his feet underneath him, there were multiple times like if passes came into him on the ground, he didn't trip over the ball like he had in previous ones. Uh, previous matches, he, when he would go up for headers, I think he won almost every aerial duel that he went up against, which I guess statistically, if you looked at it, he actually does win a good majority of the aerial duels. because Oh, of his, he's better. His, he's 6'4". Right, because of his height and his ability to jump, but there was never anybody for him to play off of. And we saw in this match that there was always somebody nearby, whether it was Bowen, whether it was Fornals, whether it was Antonio. And he had... Even though technically the lineup was a 4-2-3-1, so we're thinking like, oh, great, lone striker. He basically, it was more of like a 4-2-4 because those top four guys, or if anything, you could say a 4-2-1-3 because Bowen and Antonio were pushed up with Alaire for a good amount of it. And if anything, Fornells kind of played like that roaming number 10 just below them. So he gave it gave us... It gave us more width in the attack, and it gave Alaire more options to play off of, which we saw him utilize multiple times. As bad as Moyes got it wrong against Manchester City by just sitting back, I think his tactics were spot on in the Southampton game. I really do. I thought I, I liked the way that we played. It looked like uh, Fornals in that free roll seemed to really uh, play well, but really, like I, I got to focus in on Allaire and that work rate. That that goal that he got was one hundred percent him just wanting it more than the guy that was trying to defend him. Yeah, and that was even a tight angle that he scored that goal off of. And so I, I got to ask you this: that Sebastian Allaire that we saw, is it fair to say that maybe he's found his confidence that we sorely need him to find? I think so. I, I and to go back to what I was saying before. We've seen him partner really well with Antonio when it was a two up top. I think having that additional support from Bowen, having somebody that we know will make the run off the ball. As, as good as Bowen is on the ball, he also has been great with running through the channels, You know, making himself known on that right wing, making sure that he's cutting in, making sure that he's not stagnant, he's not standing around waiting for the ball to come to him. He is making movements to create more chances. And ultimately, that's what Allaire needs. I mean, there were too many times that we're lumping the ball into the box, you know, and he's got two, three center backs basically sandwiched on top of him. If anything, two center backs and defensive midfielder. So there's no opportunity for him to get to the ball. The times that he has scored, it's been because he's been able to drift back off of the center backs, like the the volley that he put in against uh, Bournemouth, you know, which was fantastic, or half volley, if you will. So, you know, the, the opportunities that he's had early on were kind of like the toe pokes, like he's kind of sliding in, and it was it was sort of a lucky shot. These ones, it seems a little bit more tactical in the way that he's going. And his goal in this match, he absolutely battled for. And I think if it's not a layer and it's just Antonio up top, I don't think Antonio goes for that ball at all. I think Antonio goes for it, but then I think he skies it over the bar (laughs) because that tends to be what Antonio does. He's not – this is the thing I try to explain to people is Antonio is probably our best player, but he's not a natural striker. He's not a natural finisher. Sebastian Haller is. Yes. And you can see it with the quality of the shots he takes sometimes and the understanding of space that he has in those tight areas. I I, got to tell you – we, are, we don't see that player that often, and I do not want to be like every other West Ham fan and go, he's the greatest thing ever because <laughs> he had a great game. But but I have to ask the question here, how good can he be if this is the type of performances he's going to be putting in? I mean, To me, if he puts in those kind of performances, he's a 20-goal striker. Yeah, I think with this season, you almost put it as a wash because uh, when he was brought in, Pellegrini really didn't know what to do with him or at least didn't know how to play to his strengths. The way that... The way that he needed it to be. Real quick, Pellegrini didn't know what to do with a lot at the end. So <laughs> let, let's make that let's make that known continually. And I apologize. No, you're good. And it, it must be said, right, that he he absolutely didn't know how to get the players 
that he had to work the way that he wanted them to work within his system. I think with Moyes has a much better understanding. I think that Moyes played the tinkerer early on. I think especially with the the Liverpool, Man City, Liverpool stretch that we had, he did go more defensively. I think with the second round against Liverpool, he did try to go for the win, which was impressive. But I think he knows how to play against these lesser teams, which Pellegrini didn't. Pellegrini never took those games seriously. He looked at his, oh, well, we'll easily win this game. They'll play to my tactics. Whereas Moyes goes in and says, no, I'm going to create tactics to win this game. So, you know, we, yeah, we've, we've had those little narrow losses, like the one zero to Sheffield United, which, you know, was a match. We should have at least gotten a point out of, if not a win. So yeah, there's been some mistakes by Moyes, but I, I, firmly believe that as much as Moyes was never going to be my pick to finish out this season, I do think that had you never signed Pellegrini and you had given Moyes multiple seasons to kind of build the squad he wanted, I don't think we'd be in the position that we're in right now. I I mean, it's hard to say that because you never know if the board really would have invested the money in the interim through Moyes like they did with Pellegrini because I feel like that one summer they felt like they had to match what Pellegrini wanted. So what we see now with Alaire operating at his full potential against Southampton, I think that he can absolutely replicate that behavior in the next couple matches. The problem with this, the more real time that you have with him, the more other teams can play can plan to play against him. And I think that's where Moyes does have to still continue to be a little bit of a tinkerer and kind of play around with that lineup a little bit, or at least if not the lineup, the tactics on how he's going to still free a layer up to be able to do what he's going to do best, which is aerial duels, flicking the ball onto one of the wingers that can then play it back into him for so he can knock it into the net. I, 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 I think you're you're saying a lot of great things here, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say this. You're a forty five million dollar striker for West Ham. There should be very few teams in the Premier League, like with the maybe the exception, I'm trying to think of great defenses in the Premier League outside of really Tottenham and uh Liverpool. Those are the only center backs that should be able to give you fits. Well, he even, should be better than most center backs he goes against. Well, and even with Tottenham, we've seen them be leaky this season as well. So I think as I said, with the tactics, as long as he plays to win, he doesn't play to sit back like he did against Man City, and he's not trying to limit the goal differential. I think I think that's where Alaire will shine and continue to look like that 45 million pound striker. Well, another player in that attacking force that we're going to have to uh, talk about here is Pablo Fornells. <laughs> yes, Pablo. Pablo. Uh, he sounds like a uh, he sounds like a really really bad uh, you know drug dealer yeah the name you know he's like you know not a mean one he doesn't carry a gun but he does have a swiss army knife (laughs) and so i when i when i look at pablo fornells i'm still going to tell you this he had a great game and i'm not going to get anything away from him. he played well right um but this is the guy that is the perennial poster child for kicking the ball into somebody else's feet when he's trying to make that key pass now i like the fact that he's trying to do it right but the problem is i haven't seen one go through yet until this last game when he sent that one over the top to get it in the path. It was gorgeous. Into the path of Antonio, and then Antonio had a clean finish, which is something Antonio struggles with from time to time. Well, he had a clean finish without handling the ball. (laughs) His fat hands finally didn't get in the way. Oh, man. Um, But really, I got to ask you this question. You know, Fornals has been getting quite a bit of run in the team, whether it be coming off the bench every game, getting starts here and there. I think it's very clear, no matter what we say, David Moyes likes this player. He likes this player a lot. And I think Pablo Fornals clearly, without question, has the technical ability of the best players in the world. The decision-making, I still question. Right. But I'm going to ask you, Liam, before I answer, do you think, that's the game that we can point back to and go, Pablo Fornals figured it out that game. I think so. And in, I want to say, was it Man City where he wasn't even in the starting 11? So it was weird that people were like, oh, man, did he piss off Moyes? Is he dating his daughter or some shit? Like, what's going on here? So I think that even with Fornals, I think he's been a little bit of roller coaster since since coming into the squad. So it's good to see him get the run out. Now, is that because Felipe Anderson is still uh, coming back from injury? Is it because Suchek is out? Is it because, um, you know, Lanzini still hasn't found form, right? Like, there could be a, a variety of reasons for why Fornals gets the run out on, on against the Southampton squad. But I think he did 
absolutely the best he could in that match. And I think having two assists, you know, multiple key passes, uh, I don't remember him being particularly strong defensively, but when you have Noble and Rice sitting behind you in a, in that, you know, like a, a defensive pairing, defensive midfield pairing, I don't particularly think Fornells needs to get behind the ball all that much. And if anything, I want him to stay a little bit more forward because it forces Alaire not to drop back as far as Alaire typically has to try to get touches on the ball. Cause when you think about it, I mean, we conceded, what 33 percent of the possession or something i think we only had like 33 percent and i think a lot of that was because the game plan was counter and we actually countered with pace this time i mean yeah there was that early on where bowen had the ball and he didn't release soon enough and one of the center backs was able to come back to make, make a blocking tackle but i think that there were multiple other instances especially with that for ball over the top to antonio because antonio has that pace that they absolutely were able to to capitalize so i think for Fernals, it's just him figuring out exactly what his place in this team is. And I would say keep him as that center mid. I would not put him back out onto the wings. I do not think that he's a winger. I think that you can maybe play him and Anderson, you know, like maybe start with Fernals, throw Anderson in a little bit later on. Or when Antonio starts to get a little bit too tired, put Anderson as a replacement for Antonio on that wing. Honestly, after about 70 minutes is when Macau kind of starts to putter and you can actually see the exhaust coming out of the back. So I would say at that point, I, I would almost leave Fornells in. He's a young kid. He's hungry. This is the youth we always talk about building this t- uh, team for the future. I I, I got to tell you, I don't know if he's figured it out yet. I know he had a great game. Oh, come on. I know he did. I'm going to be the pessimistic <laughs> asshole right now. Uh, I, I Here's my thing with Fornells. It's Southampton, okay? They're not good. And I don't think anybody is going to sit there, you know, unless you're a Southampton fan and, you know, you're, ch- you know, chanting Saints are marching in all damn day. I, I just don't <laughs> think in my head that this, it's fair to sit there and say, and I asked the question, so I eat it here. But, you know, in our pre production meeting, we, we thought this was a good question. And I just got to tell you, I do not think that it's, I'm going to sit there and say that he's figured it out. I like the fact this is his best game he's ever played in a West Ham shirt. And he didn't score a goal. And he scored a goal against Liverpool. But this is his best game in a West Ham shirt. He looked dangerous. He looked like he knew what he was doing. His decision-making looked tight. But the thing is, I've got to tell you, I'm not sold on Pablo Fornals yet. I don't want to sell him. I'm not saying that. I just think he needs a, a further run in the team. Although he is starting to turn me on to being a fan. He really is. But I don't, I do not think that it's fair right now to say, oh, he figured it out. But I do agree that we could be looking back to this game saying, that's the Pablo Fornals we've come to grow and love. That was the first time we saw that player. Agreed. And I think with the, the goal against Liverpool, which was beautiful you know what i mean just that one touch finish putting it across the goal mouth into the corner uh absolutely stunning especially because that was the go-ahead goal right like that puts us up to one i think that's a confidence booster for the lad i think as we go into southampton you could see that confidence going uh, growing and as i said before with certain players the consistency of role i think is what's incredibly important for them to build that chemistry and to know who is playing what position and what role that person has when it comes to the overall pace of the game. Like one of the things I really liked in the Southampton game was Ngakia really didn't push forward all that much. Whereas with Fredericks constantly is doing the overlap. And then that's leaving us incredibly exposed on that right-hand side. Ngakia was fine with just sitting back. He'd push up to about midway line, be able to play the ball up, but was more focused on being defensively minded and making sure he shut down that right-hand side, which he did in spades. I mean, it was not a, you know, uh, highlight real uh, game for him, but I almost prefer the defenders to not have that because I don't want them making crazy tackles because that means they got caught out of position. So if you look at, you know, the, the back line being a little bit more quiet, that's what I want. I want it to be the uh, I wanted to just them to be stalwarts. I want them to be a stone wall in the back. But when you look at your attacking midfielder, somebody like Fornals, 
He should be highlight role. It should be where you see him playing that key pass, playing the overhead, you know, megging, megging guys, beating people on the run. Like those are the kind of things in our attacking four that we need to see. And we haven't seen most of the season that we absolutely saw in the Southampton game. Now, as you said, yeah, Southampton, they're only sitting like three places above us in like 13th. Right. So yeah, I'm not looking at them as like the gold standard. Like, yeah, we put it over on Southampton, but Southampton, I would say, is pretty indicative of most of indicative of most of the other teams that are in that mid table mark. So, if you, what you can do to Southampton is easily replicable against the other teams. I it, look, you, you are one hundred percent correct, Liam. Because uh-huh. I, I, I'm going to have to tell you now. There, there's a lot of things. I got real pessimistic. I got real bad there for a while. And there, there's a couple of players that we're not even talking about that need to be mentioned. And you know, I know we're not going to spend a ton of time, but that young kid in Gakia, oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. And this is what we were talking about, you know, just you and I at the match. We need to start going young. The fact mm-hmm. that Grady Dean Ghana is not on this team right now and he's out on loan, that was a stupid decision. He should be here. Yep. You know, Nathan Holland is another guy. We have Ben Johnson, another guy. Um, we've got a good young center back whose name I cannot pronounce, nor am I going to try to pronounce <laughs> that. We've got Nathan Trout, who it looks like a goalkeeper for the future. Um, but the best of them all and the guy that had pro- – I don't know if he won man of the match because I was so excited in the game, but the guy that, that honest to God, I mean, Liam, he even had a pass that got intercepted, chased the guy down and stole it back, <laughs> yeah, it is so Declan good. Rice. Like, well, we have to mention Declan Rice here. Yeah, Declan Rice – Every time that man plays. Now, look, he is not going to be a goal-scoring threat all the time, and he's not going to be the greatest-looking um, player. You know, he kind of looks awkward out there, but my God, does he have an understanding of space. I he, Forgive me, West Ham fans, but I'm going to say something that's going to be a little controversial here, but I believe it. I am privileged to be friends with uh, former goalkeeper Jim Standen. And Jim Standen, if you don't know who he is, he won the FA Cup with West Ham United back, played with Bobby Moore, played with Sir Trevor Brooking. He played with the greats. The the reason West Ham are what they are, the culture they have, Jim Standen was a part of that. And I've got to tell you, Jim Standen's told me so many stories about Bobby Moore and how great Bobby Moore was. And I see a lot of those things in Declan Rice. Oh, yeah. I see a ton of those things in Declan Rice. I am not saying he is going to be the next Bobby Moore but I wouldn't be shocked if he is. Yeah. Because the the guy, the, Jim Stanton used to always tell me this, and I, I loved it. He would always go, what made Bobby Moore great is Bobby Moore could watch a play develop, and he knew where the pass was going to end up, and he would intercept it. Yeah. Declan does those things. He Declan can dissect what a player is thinking, and he can cut it off. How many times have we seen him all year, no matter who the competition is, be a pest and be in the way of a pass or make the defender or the attacking player change what they want to do because he is causing such a problem? And I, we have to, I have to mention Declan. Do you have any thoughts on Declan before we move on? For sure. I mean, when, when I played... I was a number six, which commonly is referred to as the destroyer, right? Like you are there um, in front of the center backs to destroy the play, to break up the play, uh, to disrupt and be able to uh, distribute. And one of the best things that I think that, uh, that Declan has in his, his bag of tricks beyond just his ability to disrupt and destroy a play is his, his, I want to say like his clairvoyance when it comes to playing that ball. Think about in the Bournemouth game. Yeah. Oh my God. If it's a word, let's make it a word. But think about in the Bournemouth game when he gives that like 30 yard pass over the top cross field to Felipe Anderson, who then is completely in on goal. Like, yeah, Felipe has to finish that chance, but he doesn't get that chance if Declan doesn't see that pass. And to me, that is a Bobby Moore pass. That is the type of thing where, not just defensively, but also attacking-minded. And there are times, oh man, what was it? Was it the first Liverpool game? Where there were so many chances where nobody else was trying to get open, nobody else was trying to go for the ball, so Declan goes, fuck it, I'm going to take it myself. And he's driving up to the 18-yard box, and he's trying to put a ball in and it's not even just put a ball in to try to you know pass it or whatnot he's like i'm gonna take the shot i'm gonna put the shot on goal we saw it last season with that that uh the arsenal yeah the arsenal upper 90 where he puts it up in the top bin i love it and i think that that is you know a a kid that young you know and he's a young man a young man that with his ability his vision his tenacity his endurance 
I mean, this is a kid that goes to full 90. You don't sub Declan Rice off. He is a, your 90-minute player. 90 First plus. name on the team sheet. First name out of the team sheet, probably last one off the field, if, if I had to guess. I would think he's the last one in the tunnel because he's clapping the fans, always appreciative of everything they do. We always see him do the videos, the little personal like, hey, thanks, everybody, for coming out. You know, you helped make the game. When we, when we don't perform well, he goes, hey, it was a rough one. We're going to bounce back. Like, he is that person, the, the quintessential, you know, uh, cheerleader, that, that, that ray of hope, that consistent positivity. And that's the, that's the type of player that I want week in, week out, year in, year out, decade in, decade out. If this guy does not retire as a West Ham United player, we did a disservice not just to this club, but to Declan because we will love this kid for all eternity. He will have his name written in the stars of West Ham United lore. I, uh, you couldn't have said it better. Um, I, 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 I just felt it was I, – I, I didn't want to do a disservice. We had to mention it. We have to. We How had do you to. not? How do you not? And now – we have to mention the last player of this attacking force that is making, um, well, Jared Bowen. Um, okay, I'm going to put a record scratch or something in here at this point because I got to stop you. So we talked a couple weeks ago, and this is, this is my favorite segment that we randomly impose upon the listeners. Listen to Liam text. I need you to listen to Liam. I'm shutting my mouth. And I'm listening. Is, and this is for everybody out there. So – a couple weeks ago, we talked about transfer rumors, and one of the ones we talked about that it looked like was a done deal was Jared Bowen from Hull City. And if you remember, Tex, you said, this is not the kind of player we need to go for. Like, yeah, well and good. He's scoring goals at the championship. It's the fucking championship. This is the Premier League. We need an established player. We need an established striker. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're not wrong. You're all not right, wrong so, at all. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slide this plate of crow at you so you can eat some crow while I'm talking. So with Jared Bowen... Uh, this is the type of kid I absolutely think we have to have. These are those championship players that when they get the opportunity to come up into the Premier League, they're not going to take this chance lightly. These are the kind of guys like your Mikel Antonio pulled from Nottingham Forest, right? Um, Aaron Cresswell was what? Ipswich Town? Like These are the guys that you pull up and they look at this as this is the chance of a lifetime. I'm not that player that's going to Real Madrid. I'm not that player that's going to Liverpool or or Bayern Munich, right? Like these are the guys that come in and they go, this is a Premier League team. This is the team that is going to fight, that is going to battle, that is working class. I understand what the heart and soul of this team is, and I will emulate that every time I touch the pitch. The, the, the thing that Jared Bowen brings to the table is the stuff that we would have loved, the stuff that we saw from Mark Noble 10 years ago. Right. This is not not that I'm saying he's a the style of player that Mark Noble is. He's vastly different, but the heart is there, the soul is there, and ultimately that's what we've always wanted from our players. The fact that this kid, you know, Moyes himself go, says before this game, like, oh well, we didn't sign a player from the championship as a savior for the season. I don't think he said that to be negative towards Bowen. I think he was trying to decrease the pressure and the level of expectations that people were putting on this kid. Because, yeah, he's not going to be the sole savior of this, of this season. But I think he is a piece that makes the sum of the parts better than the individual pieces. And with what Bowen brings to the table, what we talked about before with that attacking four, you've got pace with Antonio, which he absolutely destroyed on that left-hand side, beating people on the dribble. Bowen does that as well. Megged players, took shots from distance, took shots in close, went up for battles. Towards the end of the game, before he got subbed off for Snodgrass, he loses the ball, and you and I were like, ah, oh, come on! Not even five seconds later, tackles in, and not even just tackles to knock the ball out, tackles the ball off the player and completely turns on, to the, uh, turns on the counterattack again. This is the kind of player we absolutely need. So the West Ham pessimism that we constantly bleed in. We look at the Liverpool game with Fabianski, right? Makes a couple of errors, and everyone's like, ah, oh, Flappy Hansky, sell him to the championship. Same thing with Snobbert, Robert Snodgrass. Snobbert Rodgrass. Robert Snodgrass. <laughs> Same thing. As soon as he has a bad game, everybody wants to shit down his throat. We have to understand that these are human people. These, they're humans. They're prone to errors, just like all of us are. Just like you were, Tex, when you were prone to that error of looking at championship, going, what are we doing? But I hope that after seeing the performance, you go, you know what? I have a little bit more faith in this kid than what I had before. 
I want you to know I'm I'm uh, I'm offended that you left the the feathers on the crow that you just served <laughs> me. Um, it's I that's have, that's gonna be really hard to chew. I'm not gonna plug it for you. It's not a chicken, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm gonna say this, and uh, I'm gonna be a man about the situation, and I'm gonna tell you I was wrong. I made a mistake. You're good looking. I'm not. <laughs> you're tall. I'm short. I'm you right, smell good. I smell like cabbage. Um, I, I 100% was wrong. Um, and, and here's how I know I'm wrong. So people are, I, I want to make something clear. There's no, there's no waiting for Jared Bowen to figure this out in the premier league. He's played in the premier league before granted with a relegated whole city side. And he was a younger player still figuring it out. The guy clearly knows what he's doing and he's not afraid of anything. And he, there's no fitting in period for him. Right. He immediately came in. He's looked dangerous the couple of times he's been on. He gets his first start, I believe it was a Southampton was his first start. Is that correct? Yeah, the other the other uh, the Liverpool game was off the bench. Yeah, so he gets his first start and he grabbed the bull by the horns, which is what great players do. Dimitri Payet, yeah. his first start against uh, I believe it was Arsenal at the Emirates. He grabbed the bull by the horns and goes out there. I'm not saying that Jared Bowen needs to be Dimitri Payet, and he doesn't. He just needs to be Jared Bowen. The The truth is, I watched him play in this game, and I didn't say it to you at the pub, but I was thinking in my head, I'm 100% wrong on this guy because <laughs> he clearly needed to be sold from the championship because he was Premier League ready, and he clearly is a guy that needs a run in the team. And I think he's proven his point. And with so many guys, high-value guys that West Ham currently have right now that are out of form, you got to give him a run. And yeah. and I, I have a – the only thing that you said that I 100% disagree with was David Moyes did not say we didn't buy a player from the championship – to save us because he's a narcissistic prick and he thinks he <laughs> is the one that's going to save us. Oh, yeah. And he's not trying to temper expectations on Bowen. He just wants all the glory because here's the truth. That silver fox is a guy that we just need to ax. I, I will never buy into him. If he wins the Premier League, that's the only way I'm going to change my tune because David Moyes to me, and this we're going to get into this, clearly still does not know his best 11. Clearly he does not. And Bowen is a guy that needs to be playing. I'm not going to say that he's going to be the savior either, but I will admit that I was wrong. I apologize to anybody that I offended, including Jared Bowen. Jared, if he I had, pissed, bro. Yeah, if I had an attractive sister, Jared, I would, I would slide you her digits. Yeah. But <laughs> the, the, the truth is this, man. That attacking force that we saw against Southampton, now granted it's going against a lower tier side, but sometimes you got to have a game like that against a team like that to build some confidence. Allaire, great game. Antonio, great game. Fornals, great game. Bowen, great game. If we're giving these guys marks, they're all nines and tens right. uh, across the board at the front. And that attacking force is what we're going to need going forward, especially with the fixtures we have. We have Arsenal coming up in our next game on Saturday. So I have to ask you this question. Has Moyes found his starting 11? Looking at this Southampton game, is this the starting 11 that you think Moyes needs to try to keep in place moving forward? So I would say yes with a caveat. So it's yes because we're still waiting for players to come back from injury, right? We're still playing, waiting for some players to get uh, back into form to some degree. But this, if I'm Moyes, I keep this starting lineup going into the Arsenal match and probably beyond because you want to have these guys build chemistry. As we talked about before, we want to have consistency in position so people know what their role is. People know what to rely on. They know how far they need to drop back to support. They know you know, when to play the ball forward, when to play the ball laterally. The One of the biggest things, I think, in the Southampton game, and to some degree even the Liverpool game, we've started to move away from this back pass. That was the biggest thing that frustrated me with, with Moyes is we were constantly getting the ball up top and then would just pass it all the way back to the center backs or back to the keeper. And we're putting, we're basically inviting pressure constantly. Now all this, all the passing looked so much better. And looking at the stats, I mean, Southampton completed far more passes than we did. Um, they had 521. We only had 257. Um, their pass accuracy was 74%. Ours was only 59%. But 
when you're conceding that much possession, you would almost expect your passes to be less, right? Because you're waiting for the ball. You are inviting the pressure to some degree. And Southampton really wasn't trying to pressure us too much. I mean, the I think they were getting the benefit of corners, but it was because they could never quite get to the box. They kept kind of getting shuttled out to the sides, and that's where they would end up losing the ball. Even when Danny Ings came on, and you and I were both looking at it, it as like, oh, fucking Danny Ings, you know? But even him, I don't think he he had one impactful play, and that was it. I think after that, he kind of disappeared. So I do feel like this team has built... I think this is a team that you can build on to at least try to continue your momentum. I think eventually guys like Felipe Anderson probably need to make their way back into the starting lineup. I think somebody like uh, Thomas Suchek, same thing. I'd love to see what else he can contribute to that starting lineup, especially because he's such a tall player. And if you really look, you and I talked about this on the corners, we vastly outnumber most other teams when it comes to dudes that are over like six two, six three. Like we have a shit ton of guys that are really tall. You put Thomas Thomas Suchek in there, that's even better. Like somebody like Ngakia, Mark Noble, they're not really those guys that are gonna like get up in the mix to try to put a head on the ball. But somebody like a Mark Noble is absolutely somebody that can sit just outside the 18 yard box. Like he did was it last season where he had that curler against Leicester where it just arced through everybody past the keeper loved it. So you look at, you look at putting your players in a position to be successful. And I think Moyes was able to do that with this team. My caveat is as other teams figure out what your go-to tactics are, does he have the impact players off the bench to change the shape, to change what this team can do to, to mitigate losing the possession in a way that now we're inviting too much pressure in the back. Well, he's got a hundred million dollars sitting on the bench between Lanzini and, and uh, Philippe Anderson. I, I think Lanzini's a 40 million, $50 million player. And we already know Philippe is. So he's got at least 90 million sitting on the bench at the low end. Um, I'm, I'm just going to tell you this, this is not the best starting 11 for West Ham United. And you, you've already said it. I, I like Pablo Fornells. I like him a lot. I, you know, um, I think he's a very talented player, but I still don't think he's figured it out. I think he's young. I think he's made a lot of mistakes, and I don't think at this current moment we can live with those mistakes. It's kind of like Gabriel um, Jesus from yeah. Man City. When he first got there, yeah, he would have these blistering performances and scoring goals, but he would disappear at times. And that's why there was all that unsureness about, you know, should Pep play him, should he not? And my, my point was this. Man City are a team that can run a guy out there and he can struggle because they're so talented everywhere else. Yeah. We're in a relegation fight, and I don't think we can afford to be starting for now playing him 60, 70 minutes and waiting on him to make a play. I think we got to put the guys in there. And th- this is my thing with the starting 11. I think Moyes is close, and I will give him that. That's the most credit I'm going to give the man right there. I think he's close to the starting 11. I think the back five, including the goalkeeper, I think he's got it right. Yeah. I think agreed. this Ngakia kid's got to get a run um, unless Ben Johnson can come back. But I think N- Ngakia's got to go. Um, I, I think the center, the, the two guys sitting in front have to be noble and they have to be Declan Rice. Those are the best two. Uh, Thomas Suchek is a guy that should be coming in for noble in the 70th minute of every game. Right. He should be a, a lock it down. He's going to do that. I like Suchek, but he's not a starter to me. And then of that attacking force, it's good, but I think it can be great. And I, this pains me to say this. <laughs> But I think the guy that needs to be in that Fornals role because he's had his best games as a West Ham player when he is in that free role is Philippe Anderson. Agreed. Yep. And when Philippe has that free role and he's got Antonio to his left and he's got Bowen to the right and he's got Allaire in front, now you're letting a $40 million player that you purchased do what he does best, and that is create. Yeah. And instead of sticking him on a side where he's limited with what he can do, he now has the full range of his arsenal and his weapons, and he can go at it. And I think that's the one the one change that I think has to be made. And I think you can bring on Fornals, and you can even bring on Lanzini to replace him late in the game if he's off. But I think I think we we forget sometimes that Philippe Anderson is the most technically talented player on the team. Maybe maybe Lanzini's up there with him. But 
the problem with him is he's very emotionally touchy. If he's not plugged in, if we're not doing well, he tends to go disappearing, tends to try too hard, tends to go, I don't know what to do. And I understand that that's a frustration. But we didn't buy an $8 million player, so he has a flaw. We bought a $40 million player. And so he's a guy that I really look at and I say, if David Moyes gets Philippe Anderson going and he can keep the rest of everybody healthy, let's be honest, Liam. That attacking force is a top six, top seven attacking force in the Premier League. And Sebastian Allaire, one of the best point men you can have. Antonio is a bully out there. Jared Bowen has already showed that he can make things happen. Um, He doesn't need to be the most technically gifted because he knows how to find space and get a goal. And then you have Philippe Anderson who can create his own shot and set up others. And he can hit that curler from outside the box. So when you look at it, everybody has what you all called for earlier, a clearly defined role. And the one change you have to make is to plug Philippe in for Fresnels. Right. And I would agree with that because I do think that Anderson, like pound for pound, is probably the better of the two of them. Well, no, he definitely, not probably. He's definitely the better player uh, of the two of them. And I think that what I like about starting Anderson and having Fornells off the bench is that depending on who is struggling, right? If Anderson's struggling, you bring Fornells in and you say, hey, look, man, you're going to play that number 10 role. I need you to play distributor. If Noble's struggling or if we're behind and you need to play catch-up, you can sub Noble off still at around that like 60, 70th minute, put Fornells in and do more of a 4-1-4-1 where you have Fornells and Anderson both as attacking midfielders and if anything maybe it pushes Anderson a little bit more up top so then you have you know Bowen and Antonio on your wings and the top two are basically Anderson and Alaire which gives you a hell of a lot more of an attack and then you still have Declan there to shut down the play in the back end or because for now is only coming on for the last 30 maybe 40 minutes he has the legs underneath him to be able to drop back and still play defensive because we know Anderson won't so you have Fornells as that backup. Now, if maybe Antonio's struggling, same thing. Cool. You can maybe put Fornells out on that wing, have him play winger, or you put Anderson to the wing and you have Fornells play the center role. Or you still have Snodgrass that you can bring in off the bench. I think now we're getting back to that point where we have that comfortability where there's some it, there's some exchange that you can make between the players that are on the bench that you're not going to have a significant drop-off like we were having just a couple weeks ago. I mean, think about it. We still don't have Yarmolenko back. Like that's a whole nother player that we don't even have access to because he's not fit. And he is the perfect partner for all air. Right. Perfect partner. You have these big, strong dudes that if you do a four like just a four four two, you have those guys up top. Holy shit, man. Like that's all that's a whole nother dynamic. And you tell me, even if you don't start Yarmo, you can't tell me he's not a game changer in the fact that once you bring him on, he absolutely changes the shape. He actually changes what the attack looks like and the the thing I'm going to love best is he changes the way the other team has to play because at that point they go shit now we have two giant center forwards coming at us and if you've got you know uh Bowen and Antonio lumping balls in or you have Snodgrass on that side lumping crosses in game over man like that's that's next level that is where we start to break into that top 10 consistently if Moyes can unlock it or when they finally fire Moyes and they bring in Eddie Howe and he can unlock it then however <laughs> however it needs to happen I do firmly believe that these are the guys that can get the job done well or they bring in Liam Bright because you just broke it down Boom! so there, there's where my vote's going uh so let, let's look at this. It's it's fun to sit there and play with these options because we we you and I both know and every other West Ham fan knows we have enough talent to be a top eight side at worst. Yeah. Problem is we never rise to the occasion. We always get hurt. We have managerial doofuses in there <laughs> trying to make dumbass decisions. <laughs> And so, like, we've never been able to put it all together. It's I always feel like West Ham United are a drunk baker. Like, we always have the right ingredients, but we never fucking get the right amount. And we always do something wrong. And then the drunk baker looks at you and goes, well, that part at least tastes good. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the, the cake looks like shit. You know, I mean, look, here, here's the truth. Let's That's take- what I do. I make cakes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I make good cakes. I make cakes. Yeah, well, you know, the GSB, the drunk baker shop. I mean, yeah. uh, let's look at this, though. 
with the current team and the current situation that we're looking at right now, and I think every West Ham fan, I'm still very nervous. I do not want to. I do not want to be having to buy a subscription to ESPN Plus to watch fucking championship games next year. I yep. don't. You know, I want to pay my fifty bucks that I have to pay <laughs> for the Premier League on NBC Sports Gold, so that we can continue to have the Fresno Irons at Full Circle Brewing. So I got to ask, with this current team, and you know, shoot me straight here, make me feel better because I don't know how great I'm feeling. What? Do we have? Can David Moyes keep us up with the current team that he has? So I, I'm going to put this in an odd way. David Moyes won't be what keeps this team up. This team is what will keep this team up. I don't look at David Moyes and be like, and, and look at him and go, oh yeah, this is the guy that's going to take us to the next level. I look at it as this is a caretaker manager that unfortunately we had to sign for 18 months. But I do think that this group, seeing the fight, seeing the connectivity, seeing the passion that we saw against Southampton, I think that this is the team that can keep us up. Um, it's, it is going to come down a little bit to the matches, right? So, And we'll talk about the, the Arsenal match coming up here. But then after that, we do have Wolves-Tottenham, which I think that those will probably be the other somewhat difficult matches. Uh, I know you were, you were fairly confident that wolves is probably one that we can take at home, which I hope because I, I, I hate wolves because and yes. we're going to beat them. Yeah. You, you do haven't just, beat them since they fucking come up. We're going to fucking do it this time. <laughs> You're like, this is the time to do it. Um, Tottenham away for whatever reason, we're always up for Tottenham games. Even though we lost the home match, I absolutely think we could take the away points. And then after that, man, it's Chelsea, Newcastle, Burnley, Norwich, Watford, Man United, and Aston Villa. And I would say Man United is probably the easiest of that run of games anyways. <laughs> so when you really look at that, I like, yeah, we kind of weathered the storm that is Man City and Liverpool. I, I absolutely I think we can nick points at every single one of those matches. There's not a single match that I look at and I go, Yeah, that's probably one that we're gonna lose. So as long as Moyes doesn't deliberately fuck this up, I think we have the players that can do it. You couldn't have said it better myself. I, it's, it, you know, we're, we're becoming friends and we're starting. There's <laughs> osmosis happening here. This is true. This is true. Um, because I couldn't have said it better myself. I, I don't think David Moyes keeps us up. I think the players do. Yeah. And I think we have enough talent. And I think talent can make a shitty manager look really good. Oh, yeah. You know, um, look at Jurgen Klopp, man. He's the fucking worst. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's a situation where, um, I I look at the player, and and I think the players and we have a team that is a top eight side, top nine at worst. And if we had any consistency from our board to our manager to health, we would be where we think we're going to be. I don't think we'd be challenging for the title, and I don't think we'd be challenging for Champions League. But we we would be making a shout for the Europa. Yeah, and I think that's what this team was built to do this year, so that the following year we could slingshot and do that. Obviously, in typical West Ham fashion, as part of the West Ham way, we have done what we have done, and we're not going to go back over that. But my my point is this: I do believe in my head that we have the team to stay up, but I do think David Moyes will fuck it up. Not, but I don't think he'll do it intentionally. I think he'll do it not intentionally because I, I question his decisions. I question his setup. I there there's, I'm a high school coach and there's one thing I teach my players all the time. Don't overthink it. Yeah. You know what to do. Keep it simple and go. David Moyes is the epitome of overthinking. The whole idea, the fact that you let your mind go down the rabbit hole to go, we need to limit goal differential. Fuck off. Yeah. Like that right there tells me that you're overthinking things, which means you have the thought in your head that we can't win that game. Yep. And so because you're thinking that you're not the manager that I'm going to back right. and I, and I, and I'm frustrated and I don't think, I think he tried to play the same way against Liverpool. I firmly believe that but we nicked a goal right? and then we got a second and then David Moyes like, yeah, yeah, we're going to go after. No, dude, that's the players. And that's why I think you're a hundred percent correct is that I do not believe in my heart that this team um, is, is bad enough to go down, but I think David Moyes could cost us. Yeah. And I think GSB, if we go down, I think they have to do a favor to every West Ham fan, no, screw that. To every soccer fan slash football fan, <laughs> because you know we have listeners on both sides of the pond here. Right. 
I think they should sell the team, and when they do, they should get. Let's go old school here. Let's tar and feather them, and yeah, and sit right. there and send them on their merry way. Ride them out on a rail. Yep, absolutely. But that I think that's the thing, right? If we don't stay up, Moyes is shit canned. You know what I mean? He only, I guarantee you his contract only extends the additional year if he keeps us up. But I think if we drop down, they go, yeah, dude, you didn't do the job you were hired to do. See you later, and we bring back Fat Sam. I mean, I, at this point... I, we're playing his way anyway. I, yeah. I don't know why everybody's so upset. We're playing long ball and lumping it forward. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting... It's an interesting look because I, I I think you and I finally on the are on the same page, right? So six episodes in, we're finally there. <laughs> but I think that that's the I think that's the trick of it is the, these players if they have the right heart, and let's be honest, it's not Moyes, it's Kevin Nolan that got these guys to operate on the right level for this Southampton game. He's the one that got them operating on the right level for Liverpool because I guarantee you after that Man City fuck-up, he goes, yeah, we're not doing this again. And that's why we were up for the rematch at Liverpool, and that's why we were definitely up for it for Southampton. So I think that when, when inevitably, Moyes does get shit-canned, I think you give Nolan a fair shake because I think he knows these players better than anybody. I call me crazy, but didn't I say on a couple podcasts ago <laughs> that we need a West Ham guy? You fucking did. All right, yeah, I'm just you did. Look, you're gonna call me out on <laughs> Bowen. I'm gonna redeem myself right. by saying that I said we need a West Ham guy. All right. Obviously, um, you know we're coming to the end of the podcast here. Yes. Um, we have a big match coming up. Uh, we have to battle these uh, those hipsters from the North End. That you know want to tell you all shit's cool, and we we're like, dude, it's not that cool. Just because you eat you know mud on your sandwich doesn't mean that I'm going to. <laughs> so uh, here's the deal: we got Arsenal. Um, uh, rem- remind me, uh, is it, it's at our house, right? Uh, yeah, I think this one's. No, yeah. I, I, no, no I this take one's it back to the Emirates. So this one's away yeah. because we we lost three one to them at home. Yep. So we have to go to the Emirates, um, a place that West Ham haven't had much success, but we've had success. Yep. So it's not like it's a, an impossible venue for us to go, but it is going to be a difficult game. Uh, obviously, they're coming off a heart crushing um, beat beat by uh, Olympiacos in the Europa League on a last-second goal, probably the last kick of the game. Yeah. And um, they go down 3-2 in that one. Um, Danger Man, they have Obama Yang. We all know about Obama Yang. Um, they've got some other young players that are good. They they have the gentleman that they bought, Pe- uh, Pepe. That, yeah, Pepe. Yeah, yeah, he seems to be fine in form, but he's largely been a disappointment this year uh, for well, he Arsenal. Was, he was in form against us, but as soon as freaking Cresswell went down, and all of a sudden Masawaku forgot how to defend. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's they they have the players that on paper you should go, yeah, these 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 guys will be a difficult game. But there's just something about when we play Arsenal that I'm like, fuck Arsenal, man. Like, we got these guys. So I'm just going to tell a little story. Um, <laughs> I, you know, look, I'm just going to make this real easy. Um, as a West Ham fan, you're supposed to hate Tottenham, Millwall. Like, we all know that. You know, right. and pretty much any of the London clubs. But really, it sticks out with Millwall from a supporter standpoint. And on the field standpoint, it's kind of West Ham, Tottenham. Um I'm, I'm going to say this. Out here in Fresno, California, we have something called 559 FC. Um, I know that uh, I've mentioned this before, but I'll make it real clear. There are nine different supporter groups here in town, seven of which are Premier League supporter groups. And as you know, the Fresno Gooners are probably the most famous Fresno supporter group. I'll give them that credit. But there is not a group that uh, the Fresno Irons uh, love to beat more than the Fresno Gooners. And so for a rivalry standpoint, this is a big game for me. I don't like losing to Arsenal. Right. Can't stand it because I want to rub it in the Fresno Gunners' faces. I want to let them know that you lost to West Ham United. Like, I want them to know that. Um, it, it's, it goes back a long way. So this is a, a massive match here for us Fresno Irons and Liam. Um, you're going to get to see it. You'll notice that they won't come to our pub to watch the game. Yep. So, and we don't go to theirs. Oh, I already told the wife we're waking the kids up early because I was like, <laughs> we need to be, we need to show in force for this Arsenal game. I go, we need to come out. You know, the brights have to be there, bright and early, ready to rock and roll. And to piggyback on your Arsenal hatred, I've actually hated Arsenal since 2010 when Thierry Henry, while playing for France, handballed the goal, the ball into the goal, knocking Ireland's chances of making it to the 2010 World Cup. Hand so, of God, too. Yeah, le hand of God. Uh, yeah, 
I, I, I appreciate what a good player Thierry Henry is, but fuck him and fuck Arsenal. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. That, that's well said. That's a T-shirt. That's a T-shirt <laughs> right there. Um, give me your uh, prediction on the match. Obviously, West Ham coming off that 3-1 win. Looks like we may have figured out the attacking force. I, I have a little bit of a disagreement there. I think Philippe needs to get that run in there where Fornals is. But what do you think is going to happen in this match? Honestly, I think we replicate. I think it's a 3-1 again. Uh, I don't have enough faith in the back line yet uh, that I that they can completely stop Aubameyang They're, or or Pepe, depending on how it goes. So I think that there is probably one goal that squeaks by because let's be honest, we haven't exactly been the greatest when it comes to set pieces. Yeah, we did really well against Southampton. Arsenal's a different beast. Uh, I, I think that the the opportunities are going to come rare we're probably going to concede a lot of possession and try to break on the counter which i think we absolutely can do and we can capitalize i don't think that arsenal is going to go into it thinking all right we need to game plan against west ham united i think they're going to go in there we're going to play our game hand our game plan let them try to figure us out uh and with with arsenal remember man they only they're sitting in 10th place they've won their last two but the three before that were draws. So there is very much the potential that we're able to nick at least a point out of this one, especially coming out of the Emirates. How about you? Well, first off, before I even enter, who's your goal scorers? You got three goal scorers, or do you have Ooh. two guys, or does somebody go on a Hattie on this one? Man, I would love to see Alaire get a brace to just absolutely build that confidence. You got to figure he was already on six goals, right? I think this makes it seven for him. If he does a hat trick, puts him at double digits, puts him straight to 10. Now, I don't think particularly that Alaire quite has that confidence yet to knock in three goals, but I, I would say Bowen absolutely does. So Bowen, I think, will get one. But I think Alaire will probably kick off the start. So let's actually go three different goal scorers. I'm going to say Alaire, Fornals, Bowen. In that order. I, I like it. Um, mine's very similar to yours. I have a 2-1 finish. West Ham United winning. Why? relegation teams that are fighting out are the most dangerous teams to play in the Premier League and I think West Ham are feeling it. They should have gotten something out of that Liverpool match. They came in riding high against Southampton and straight up took it to them. Arsenal's on the downswing right now after that heartbreaking loss they had in Europa League. I think West Ham capitalized on that moment. We get a 2-1 win. I, I think that we're up at one point in that game 2-0 and I think that they'll get a goal and West Ham will have to remind themselves, hey guys, this game ain't over. It ain't finished. We got to do the job. We got to get out there. We got to put in the shift. We got to do the job. So I'm a firm believer that West Ham United are going to win this game. I think we'll be the better team for 70 minutes of the game. Yeah. But I do think that we're going to have to weather the storm. Obama Yang is too good not to get a goal because he can score from anywhere on the pitch. I think that we learned our lesson against Pepe. I think he'll get the start against West Ham just because of what he did last time. But I think this time we will make him eat crow yeah. just like i had to eat crow about jared bowen nice. so the the truth is going to be this i think it's 2-1 i think jared bowen gets a goal i think he gets one early too um because i i think that arsenal tend to you know just like any hipster they tend to underestimate something that's pretty good because they're like oh people are saying he's good but he's not so i think bowen gets an early goal and then i think we see another workman goal out of uh sebastian allaire i really do i think sebastian allaire has realized if I'm going to score goals, I'm going to have to work for him, and I think he's going to get another type goal that he had um, against Southampton. Is going to replicate itself in this game. So I, those are my two goal scores. Um, I have a two-one win. Who's your man of the match? Uh, I think man of the match goes to Alaire. Uh, I think I think you're right. I think he will continue to build on that recent performance, uh, and he will absolutely battle, give their backline fits the entire time. Uh, so I'm going to say. Alaire goes man of the match. I like that shout, but I'm going to tell you who the man of the match is. You're clearly wrong, okay? <laughs> um, because when Declan Rice goes home after hey, this Arsenal game, go. he's going to take out his keys, his wallet, and Obama Yang. Yeah, and that's what's going to happen. He is he is absolutely going to shut him down. And I think that is where Declan Rice is going to make his presence felt. I think he will be the guy that not only starts the attacking, um, getting the ball out. I think he's going to be the guy to break up all of Arsenal's attacks when they try to come in. So I'm 100% in on Declan Rice getting that. I think that kid has – he's just been an absolute – phenom for West Ham United and I want to say thank you to Chelsea I appreciate your poor decisions because they have benefited West Ham tremendously so 
looking at that, it comes down to everybody's now favorite time of the show. This is where we're going to close it out here. It's time for our yellow and red cards. Liam, give me your yellow card. So my yellow card, it goes to you. What the you, hell? You asshat. I mean, how did you not see that Bowen was going to be a positive impact on this team? We, we literally spoke at length, at nauseum, about the necessary, the necessary uh, or sorry, the necessity of this team to have a striker that can actually uh, produce results. And as much as we've been shitting on Alaire with, you know, oh, well, he's not getting the service, he's not getting service, oh, he's not putting in the work rate, he's not putting in the work rate. This kid out the gates has been putting in the work rate. When you when they went to sub him off, I was actually confused that it was him they were pulling off because I was like, no, that kid's got at least another hour in him. There's no way they're going to pull him off, but they did. And I'm fine with it because that means he's going to be even more refreshed for Arsenal. So when this kid does end up walking onto the pitch and bangs in that early goal, I'm going to look at you and go, second helpings? <laughs> oh, man. God, you're like an ex-girlfriend. You can't let shit go, Leon. Never will. You got to let it go. I made a mistake. I apologized. I said I was wrong. <laughs> I'm going to make you uh, wear a shirt. Yeah. My, my yellow card goes to and this. This is a straight Twitter one. Okay. Um, so obviously, you know, we don't talk about Liverpool on this show. Um, we're not going to break down the match, but Liverpool, obviously, their unbeaten run is done. Watford beat them down 3-0. You're welcome, Watford. West Ham laid the blueprint on how to do that. Um, I just want to say this. Liverpool fans are the worst fans <laughs> I have ever read on Twitter. Every excuse you could possibly imagine to explain away their loss. And all I want to say to all of them is, you got beat and you got taken out behind the shed and they beat you senseless. It's okay. You're got you're 22 points up in the league or something crazy like that. Relax. Your title's not going anywhere. The fact that you can't have your title with an unbeaten run, I'm sorry. Boo-hoo, yeah, grow right? the fuck up on that one. But that's where my yellow card goes. And Who's I, your red? Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say, and I got to say, it's not just like they lost like 1-0 or like 2-1. They got beat 3-0. You got in housed. Like there's, there's, there's no silver lining to this. You got your ass beat. Just take the whooping and move on to the next week, man. Like, oh, my God, there's such a bunch of babies. <laughs> So, all right, so red card for me. Uh, my red card, and this is actually also Twitter, so my red card goes to Carlton Cole. So I don't know if you follow Carlton or if you watch any of the news reports. So Carlton is employed by the club, right? So he actually works for West Ham United. Now hold on. I'm trying to follow my dreams, Carlton Cole. What are you about to say here? So, all right, so with Carlton Cole, um, he, he had recently tweeted out uh, basically that the – uh, the supporters needed to stop the protests because it was a distraction and it was not the right motivation for the players. It's like he completely missed the point of what the protests are about. We are not protesting the players. We're not even protesting Moyes. We're protesting the board. It says GSB out. It doesn't say Moyes out. It doesn't say Noble out. It doesn't say West Ham United out. It is GSB. This is... And the slogan from Hammers United has consistently been support the team, not the regime. They just are trying to get rid of the board. And the fact that Carlton either like blatantly doesn't see that or is choosing not to because he's employed and he wants to maintain his employment. And I'm sure people have been asking like, hey, Carlton, as a former player, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, partially I get it. But if you my mom loves that saying from from Bambi. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. So if you're not going to come out and support the team and you're going to come out and support a regime that you obviously know is not working, you can see this firsthand that it's not working. You can see the frustration, the angst, the anger, the, 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 the fan base, the supporter groups just absolutely being fed up with the lies that we've been fed over the last 10 years. And then to come out and say that, and then, like, I mean, he tried to kind of redeem himself where, you know, he was like, I only care about the team getting results. I'm not really worried about the board and what they're doing. To me, that's just being negligent. So my red card goes to Carlton Cole. I absolutely appreciate everything that you've done for this team. You're hands down one of my favorite players of all time. But if you can't say something in support of the supporters, don't fucking say anything at all. Well said. <laughs> um, my heart hurts because he's probably my all-time favorite hammer. Yeah. I do love Carlton Cole. Um, that, wow. Oh, 
mic drop moment for Liam over there. Um, I, I'm going to make my red card real simple, okay? Uh, what the? I gave my red card to myself. Were you writing on my goddamn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 on me, guys. I gave my red card to me, 100. percent I got to own it. I Jared Bowen clearly is uh, way more than I ever anticipated. So I I'm going to take this last time. Ooh, and we're going to let this go. Okay, this will be the end. This is it this the until the it. next episode when you slam me with it again because he's got two goals and he won the game for us. Um, I was 100% wrong on Jared Bowen. I apologize to Jared Bowen. I apologize to his dog. I even apologize to his cat. Um, even his hair gel, whatever I've got to apologize to. I do all West Ham fans. I am sorry. Um, I was 100% wrong. So I give my red card to myself. Um, bad news though. I'm going to protest over the break and it'll get rescinded. So I'll be on the next show. There you go. I like Um, it. I like it. So uh, that brings us to the end of the show here. Um, obviously, this is the American Hammers Network. This is the American Hammers Podcast. We absolutely want you to get involved. If you want to get involved, make sure that you hit us up on any of the social media platforms that we are attributed to. Um, but more than anything, I want to say thank you to Liam. Uh, thank you to Tim and Lee for providing us this platform. And thank you to the whole American Hammers Network. If you're a part of this thing, then you are a true American Hammer. Um, as always, we love it when you listen. Please uh, feel free to get involved with the show. Let us know how much we suck. If you want more Liam, I'll shut my mouth. You want more, <laughs> if you want Nobody more me, that. you got to pay for that. So let's be 100% honest here. Um, Make sure you get out and support. If you don't have a supporter group around you, try to find one. If you don't have one anywhere near you, start one. That's what you need to do. Uh, we got to grow this thing. I'm sick of looking at every poll and seeing Arsenal is the most supported team in all of America. The truth is they're just the loudest. They're not the most supported. Yeah. Um, you know, They're the best on social media because they're all keyboard warriors. Yeah. The rest of us have actual lives outside of just Twitter. Yeah, because life is cool, not a computer, hipsters. Yeah. So uh, put that, your coffee down. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to the end of the show here. Um, once again, if you find yourself in the Central Valley and you, uh, it's a West Ham Saturday or Sunday, make sure you get on the Fresno Irons Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and come have a pint with Fresno's finest. Um, we got Arsenal this weekend, big match. And as always, come, come on, on, you Irons. irons.